Have you been with us? We are dealing with the disciples, or sometimes known as the twelve apostles. We've been walking through them. We've broken them down into three groups of four. Uh, the first group, uh, led by Peter, which is Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Uh, Peter is kind of the head guy. He's the disciple that's talked about more than probably any other of the twelve disciples. We talked about the idea of uh, lessons that we, we also learn from each of them as we go. We got into the, the second group, which is a little less known, um, and that was led by Philip. Um, and then we have Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas uh, in that group. And then we are now into the last group of four. They're the ones that are talked the least about. Uh, James, um, sometimes known as James the Lesser, son of Alphaeus. He's one we talked about. Uh, we talked about uh, Simon uh, the Zealot last week, and this morning we're going to talk about Judas number one, and then next week we'll talk about Judas Iscariot, and then we might have two more. We might look at Matthias and then Paul, um, depending on how much farther I want to go. So uh, that's kind of where we are. So we're looking at the, the 12 guys first. We've talked about the idea there's something to learn from each one of them. And we talked about the idea of Peter. One of the great lessons from the life of Peter is the idea that we tend to think that when we get our act together, then God can use us. But the reality of it is, Peter, the disciples talked about the most, is really a work in progress. And you continually to see how God works and grows and changes in his life. And so there's a great lesson for us that God will use us where we are as long as we're willing. Uh, we talked about Andrew, the disciple who was always bringing people to Jesus. And the, the idea that, that one of our roles is to introduce people to Christ and uh, to, to help them to understand that. We talked about James and John, two sons of thunder, two hot-headed guys, and yet we, taught, we saw how God worked in their lives. In the life of James, James tended to add, uh, as God worked in his life, James became more about mercy, and we talked about the importance of that in our lives and how we, how we view people. John, on the other hand, focused more on truth and, and love, and so he really becomes the loving disciple, or some, in some cases, the disciple whom Jesus loved is actually said of him. It's the idea that he, add, he learned to add that um, element into his life. We talked about um, the idea of uh, Philip uh, missing the whole big picture about what God was doing. We talked about uh, Bartholomew, or um, let me see, Nat, uh, Nathaniel, uh, the danger of prejudice. You know, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Uh, we, and how... If we're not careful, our prejudices or biases can really hurt us. Uh, we looked at the idea of Matthew. If Jesus picks a tax collector, believe me, he can use you. There was no one more despised than tax collectors in that day. And he's a really an encouragement to us that you know God really can use um, anyone. We looked at the idea of Thomas, that heroic pessimism, that even though he was pessimistic he had this idea of you know what it doesn't matter i'll follow you wherever you go jesus if we're going to go and die then we're going to go and die that's okay with me we talked about james the less not because he was less important but just because he wasn't talked about a lot and that gives us hope for some of us who kind of stand in the backgrounds and i think you're going to see that again today and then last week we talked about simon the zealot the guy who was really uh, you know i mean he was he was one of the far extremist kind of disciples but jesus picked him for a reason, because Jesus saw potential and hope in him that a lot of people would have would have rejected. There are two Judases now as we come to the end of it. Um, and we're going to look at the first one this morning. And a lot of times it's easy to skip over this guy. 
but I don't, I don't, again, I don't want to do that. Jesus picked these 12 guys for a reason. And I think there's lessons in each one of their lives. And I think you're going to see that this morning with Judas. Uh, he has a number of names. And we'll talk about why in a minute. But sometimes he's referred to as Judas Labius. Sometimes he's referred to as Judas Labius Thaddeus. Sometimes he's referred to as Jude. And sometimes he's referred to as um, Judas, not Iscariot. Uh, and the passage we're going to look at this morning, actually, that's how they define him, Judas, not Iscariot. Okay? Because, again... The name Judas is a good name. You need to understand that. Uh, you need to understand that that name, that name actually means Jehovah leads. Judas actually means God leads. I mean, that's a great name. But none of you, when you were trying to name your children, Judas was not on your list. Why? Because of Judas Iscariot. It's amazing. One person has influenced 2,000 years of naming children. But, you know, nobody goes, yeah, i got to call my kid Judas, man. You know, um, that's our goal. But you need to understand, up until this point, it was a great name. But now because of his association, no one wants to name their kid Judas. But originally, the idea, that the name Judas actually means Jehovah leads. So it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's actually a great name. But unfortunately, because of the association, we, we, no one wants to use it anymore. He's also called Labius. And he's also called Thaddeus, right? Now, let me tell you what those names mean because they give us some insight. Labius means heart child. Thaddeus means breast child, okay? Our modern-day analogy, he was a mama's boy. That's how we would translate today. You know, breast child. Um, you know, mother, the, the idea is he's kind of the, the, the mama's boy of the group. Now, we don't know why they called him that. We don't know if he was called that because he was the youngest. Um, we don't know if he was called that uh, because maybe he was the smallest. We don't know if he was called that because it was, a, it was like a nickname, a joke, kind of a, a, a way to ridicule him. Uh, we don't know why the disciples all referred to him that way. But uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when they named Judas, this is going to become important at the end. When, when they named Judas, when they talk about Judas, they, they, they redefine his name. So that you know he's not Judas Iscariot. John, who focuses on truth, boom. I mean, John's there. John's like, Judas, not Iscariot. You know, he defines it by who he isn't. The others try to define him in, in another way. We'll, we'll talk about the significance of that in a minute. When we get to these last four disciples, they're not, off, other than Judas Iscariot, they're not talked about a lot. So when they are talked about, you really have to pay attention because God gives you a lot of clues into what they are. So I'm going to give you a hint of where I'm going, and I'm going to tell you how I'm, how, why I say what I say, and then lessons for us. I really think if you really want to understand Judas that the way to explain Judas, Labius, Thaddeus, uh, uh, not Iscariot, uh, Jude, if you really want to explain him, I think the best definition of him is gentle soul. If I was going to describe Judas, those are the two words I would use. He was a gentle soul. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you why. Because we have one instance in the Bible where he speaks. Only one. 
but it is one of the most significant passages in the teaching of Jesus. And I think as, as we go into it, you'll understand why. Let me set the scene up. The scene is in John chapter 14. Now, automatically, if you've been a Christian or if you've been around church any length of time, you know John 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go prepare a place for you. And if I go, you, I will come again and receive you. And how can, you know, the way you know. And Thomas said, how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know that passage. If you've ever been to a funeral, you've heard it. That's the story. Now, what you have to do is you have to put that story in context. And the context is this. It's at the Last Supper. Jesus has met with the disciples. Um, they've washed feet. They have um, talked about the end. And Jesus is getting ready to explain to the disciples that he's getting ready to go. So he has to have this very difficult conversation with these 12 guys that have given their lives to follow him. So John chapter 14, Jesus starts that discussion. And he looks at the guys and he says, look guys, the next week or so, you guys aren't going to believe what's going to happen, but I'm going to be gone. And I'm not going to be around anymore. And it'll be okay. And so Jesus has this discussion with them. And you go a little bit further into John 14, and then Judas, the quiet disciple who for all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John has never spoken, is never talked about, who speaks up for the first time. So in this room, he's probably one of the guys that's in the background. He's sitting off to the side. They have, Jesus has this big discussion. He's talking to all these guys. He's pouring his heart out. And Judas speaks up. And here's what he says. John chapter 14. Uh, guys, Judas, not Iscariot. That's how John described him. Said to him, Lord how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? I just want to stop there because that gives us a lot of insight to him. This guy is sitting back there listening to Jesus talk about going away, listening to Jesus talk about preparing a kingdom and a mansion and everything else, and Judas, the quiet Judas, stands in the back and he goes, Jesus, can I ask a question? How come you're just telling us about this? Why aren't you telling everybody? This is something everybody needs to know. Why is this guy so concerned about everybody else? See, that's the gentle, quiet soul of a guy who's been quiet for three years. Who, listening to Jesus talk, sits back and goes, What about everybody else? Everybody else needs to know this. Jesus... How come you're just sharing it with us us guys right here? This is something everybody should know about. And he sets Jesus up for one of the greatest truths that Jesus teaches at in John chapter 14. Notice what he says. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. He said, Judas, so now get a picture of this scene now. This is this is that John chapter 14 scenario, and they're all sitting there and they're all talking about this. And Jesus is now having a one-on-one -on -one discussion with Judas. He said, Judas, look, here's what you need to understand. 
People are not going to come into, into my kingdom. They're not going to come to me. He said, but if they want me to be a part of their life, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to them and we're going to live in their hearts and our home will be in their lives. In other words, Judas, you need to understand, I'm going to take the kingdom into the lives of people. And believe me, that was a revolutionary thought. Jesus said, I'm going to make my home in the hearts of the people who love me and want to follow me. I will do exactly what you say. All they have to do is ask, and I will come to them. And that is a phenomenal truth. And we'll talk about the importance of that in a minute. So, a couple of takeaways, a couple of things that I think you and I can learn from, from this. Judas is this gentle-souled guy who sits in the background for most of the Bible. In other words... He's in with guys like Peter, James, and John, and, and, and he's in with these loud people. He's in with Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot, and he's in with all these really strong, outgoing personalities. And then there's guys like James the lesser and Judas. Judas is the guy who, it's going to encourage some of you this morning, Judas is the guy who comes into church and sits in the back. Quietly. He's the guy who comes into church, sits down, enjoys the worship, enjoys the fellowship, might get four or five words out of, and then leaves. That's Judas. Judas is the guy who's just content to be a part of it and to love God and to follow Jesus and to listen and to grow. And to be a part of Jesus and, and all that Jesus wants to accomplish. But you know what? He's just the quiet guy in the back. He's just the guy who shows up and faithfully plugs away and then leaves. Now, here, here's why this is important. Because some of you, that's how God wired you and that's you. But you feel guilty. Because you're not Peter, James, and John. Because you're not the guys in the front. Because you're not the people who are all involved. Because you're not the outgoing type. See, here's the beauty of it. When God puts together 12 guys to follow him, God chooses everybody from all across the spectrum personality-wise. Because God's kingdom is made up of everybody across that spectrum. I mean, you watch this. You've watched this in leadership. You're watching it happen now in leadership in, in our country. What happens? Leaders tend to attract and surround themselves with people who are like them. That's just a given. Most, most CEOs of companies, what do they do? Their whole leadership team is people who are often wired like them. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus picks 12 people across a broad spectrum. So he's got people who are outgoing, he's got people who are quiet. Now, there's something, those of you who are in leadership, there's something to be said here. What happens when that quiet person finally speaks? Jesus stops and pays attention because this is so out of character for this person. What he's saying is important. And wise leaders listen to those people. Because those people have incredibly valuable, solid 
insight. And for them to voice it is rare. And so when they do, good leaders take notice of that. And so when Jesus is having this, one of the most important discussions in all of the New Testament, when Jesus is having that discussion and Judas asks a question, Jesus stops and directs everything to him and says, now let me tell you about what this thing's really all about. And I want to say it because I, I, I wanted to encourage some of you who you're like, you know, I, you know, I just kind of like don't feel like I'm like, you know, one of those rah-rah people or one of those, you know, I'll go out and work people or I'll be there and do this. I'm just one of those people who come in and, and, and are part of it and, and pray for it and support it and, 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 uh, and I like it and everything else, but I'm just not a Peter, James, and John. I'm here to tell you that's okay. I'm here to tell you Judas, not Iscariot, Labius, Thaddeus, Jude, is a guy you can take great camaraderie with to know that Jesus, by the way, <clears throat> it's interesting, after Pentecost, from what we know historically, he goes up to the area of Turkey. Uh, there's a fascinating story about him healing a king and then ultimately dying a martyr's death than we believe by being clubbed to death. So if you ever see him in religious art, there's often a club in the picture somewhere uh, representing his death as a martyr. But he was just a quiet guy. But yet, God still used him in great ways. And so I, th th there's some encouragement there, I think, for some of you. Um, I believe everybody needs to get out of their box once in a while. I believe that's the whole idea of growth, and, and that's true. And I think some of you who are quiet, you need to kind of take a step out of your box and, and, and get involved in something. And I think those of you who are always involved in everything, you need to get out of your comfort zone and step back and maybe be quiet and, 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 and try that for a while. I believe that's true for all of us. I believe that's the whole Christian growth thing. <coughs> but one of the things that you see here is you see this idea that, that it was okay to be the gentle souled guy. There's nothing wrong with that. Second lesson that I see, and this is more for kids, teenagers, college, and adults, but, but geared more towards young people. Here's what I think is interesting about Judas. The other writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, define Judas differently. In other words, they, because of Judas Iscariot, they want to redefine Judas. So they want to call him Thaddeus, or they want to call him Labius, or they want to call him Jude, or they want to call him... Uh, and, and then John wants to define him by who he's not. And it's easy when we look at him to let everybody else define Judas. John chapter 14 lets Judas define Judas. By showing us a guy who is compassionate, who sees a, a world that needs Christ, who has, who allows himself to speak for himself. And I think there's something to be said for this. If you're not careful, other people will define who you are. Or define you by what you aren't. And I think what happens in life is we allow that to happen. I see this a lot with kids. You allow other people to define who you are instead of being comfortable in your own skin with how God made you and, and who you are as God's creation. And you struggle because other kids are constantly trying to define you by what you should do and what you shouldn't do. You have teachers trying to define you and parents trying to define you. And, and, other, and one of the things that you can learn is to be comfortable in your own skin with who you are and how God made you. 
And when you can do that, God can start to use you in great ways because you're not going to be so pressured by what everybody else wants you to do. Um, this is going to sound silly coming from me at my age, but when I was in junior high, I allowed kids to define me. Because even at junior high, I had a big nose. And kids liked to make fun of me, and that used to bother me, and I would get all defensive about it and get all upset about it, and I'd get all bent out of shape about it, and I'd look at stuff like plastic surgery and all. And there's a seventh grader. Come on. And then I finally got to a point that I realized, you know what? God could have given me any nose he wanted to give me. This is the one he gave me. So, so what if you don't like it or you think it's big or you think it should be? I mean, okay, don't start this, but... I mean, my nickname was Beak. Oh, don't, you know, don't, you know, I'm not going to be one of those, oh, I'm crying a tear because people bullied me. Oh, come on, you know. Um, I'm all against bullying and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I was of a generation that was like, suck it up and get over it. Um, <laughs> and so, but for a long time as a kid, that bugged me when kids would make fun of me that way. And finally, it was about 10th, 11th grade, I came to an understanding that, you know what? God made me the way God wanted me, and God designed me this way, and God gave me the nose God wanted me to have. So my big beef wasn't with me. It was with God and the way God created me. And once I dealt with that, I didn't care by the time I got to college, I took it as a nickname. Because I decided, you know what? I'm going to define who I am. I'm not going to let other people do it. And I watch people, kids, listen, stop letting the world squeeze you into its mold. You've got kids who, you know, you come in and go, I'm my own person. And I go, okay, great, you know. But mom, i got to have this, this, oh, I'm going to get in trouble here. Mom, i got to have this certain headset because it's got a logo on it and all the other kids have it. And once I get it, I'll be cool, or whatever you can call it, you know. I'll be accepted. So i got to have that logo. And you go to all kinds of extremes to get that, and here's the reality of it. They're not that great a headphone. Go do some research. There's a lot better headphones out there. But yet, you want it because you think that logo, because you're, you let people squeeze you in a mold. You go in and go, you know what, this is it. This, this is who I am. This is what I am. These are the headphones I want. Not the headphones everybody else wants. Not the logo everybody else wants. Not the whatever. And you adults are going, you know, you really need to talk to these kids because, you know, it's getting a little crazy with, you know, how much. Oh, come on. Be honest with yourself. Why do you own the phone that you have? Because somebody told you it's like the best one. Or the car that you have. We play the same game with adults. We just play it with more zeros. You know? And, and it's so easy because we let everybody else define us instead of us defining well, the best advice i got was my high school teacher pat quinn still teaching 40 some odd years teaching had a great impact on my life and lots and lots and lots of kids but he used to drill this into us as seniors he said you be yourself because god only made one of you so you be the best you you can be don't be what everybody else wants to push you into don't be like the people everybody you be yourself you be who you are you be true to yourself and that's some of the best advice I ever got as a high school student is to learn that, you know what, I'm going to be comfortable in the skin that God created me in, and I'm going to be comfortable in who I am, and I'm going to serve God with the talents, gifts, abilities, and way that he's wired me. 
because he did all of this for a reason. And, and I just want to challenge you because in this story, you see Judas being defined by everybody else. But in John 14, Judas defines himself. And when he defines himself, you see this gentle, compassionate soul. But every time we talk about him, we don't talk about any of that. We talk about Judas Labius, Judas Thaddeus, Judas Jude, Judas not Iscariot. No, Judas, the gentle-souled disciple who saw way beyond himself to see that the message of Jesus was so incredible the world needed to know about it. And the last thing is this. This truth that Jesus shares is incredible. Um, one of the... My wife gets, makes fun of me because I watch Redneck TV, okay? And 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 one of the shows... And so I like all this stuff that... You know, it only goes on for a couple seasons and then it goes off. One of the shows that I'm, I'm hooked on right now is one by... Um, it's on the National Geographic Channel. It's called um, The Story of God by Morgan Freeman. And what Morgan Freeman does... This is his second season. What Morgan Freeman does is he, he explores a concept, a religious concept all over the world and how people view it. And last week, the one was on heaven and hell and, and what people believe about heaven and hell and that kind of thing. And, and he was talking about one of the, uh, one of the South African nation deal and, and one of the groups. And they believe that the gods were in the heavens and that one of the goals of mankind was to build such an elaborate place and, and, and so, first of all, they built it incredibly high, as, so it reached up into the heavens. And then they built it incredibly elaborate in hopes that the gods would come down and dwell in there to be close to the people who were living on the earth. So the idea was, from this, and, and it's phenomenal. I mean, the things that they built, you just, it's mind-boggling. But the things that they built, they built for this idea that the gods would come and live closer to them. And I thought, we have a God who said, not only will I live among you, but when I leave, I will come back and live in you. And that's what Jesus shares in this passage. That's what Jesus shares, is that, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. You want to love me? You want to follow me? You want me to be a part of your life? I'm not going to make you come to me. I'm not going to make you come to some temple or I'm not going to make you make some trip to Mecca. I'm not going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come and live in your heart and life. I'm going to make, and this is a very important word here, I'm going to make my home there. Now you think about it for a minute. Most of you are like me. There's no place like home. And when you travel, it's fun to travel, it's fun to see stuff and stuff like that, but there's something about home. There's something about your house, your bed, your comfort zone. There's something at which you are incredibly comfortable, at which you are incredibly relaxed, at which you, you sit back and you go, I'm home. And Jesus said, I'm going to come, and I'm going to make my home in your heart and life. That's where I'm going to be comfortable. That's where I'm going to dwell. That's where I'm going to spend my time, energy, and effort. I'm going to, and, and Judas is the one who brings this out when he says, why don't you tell this to everybody? And Jesus said, no, you don't understand, Judas. This isn't about everyone coming to my kingdom. This is about my kingdom coming to them. And this is about, not about them coming to, to, to visit me in some temple. This is about me making a temple in their heart and life to be with them all the time. 
And we get it because this gentle soul guy asked this very important question. And that concept, folks, should change the way you and I live. You see, if God's home is in my heart, I see everything differently. I start to see the world differently. I start to see the way I treat people differently. I start to see the way I talk differently. I start to see the way I act differently. Why? Because Jesus is in my heart, in my life, making himself at home. And you think about it for a minute. When you're at home, pretty comfortable, aren't you? You know? I mean, I got news for you. When this service is over, I'm out of this monkey suit. I am into a pair of sweatpants and usually a Star Wars t-shirt. And I am comfortable. Now, I don't ever walk out of the house like that. Um, you know, but I, I got my comfortable clothes on because I'm relaxed now. And I, and I can sit back and I can enjoy it and I can not feel the pressure and the stress and everything else of life because I'm home. And Jesus says, you do understand, that's what I want to do in your life. I, I just want to live there. I want to make my home there. I don't, I, my goal is not to bring a ton of stress into your life. My goal is to make you comfortable. My goal is to make it so that you have a peace when you're going through tough times. My, my goal is so that when, when you're sitting there and you've got nowhere to turn and you think you, you're up against a wall that you can't see past, my goal is to let you know, no, no, I'm at home here. We're okay. We'll be all right. This is where I live. I, I live. I live with you all the time. We'll be okay. We'll get through this together. You don't understand. When, when you and I ask Christ to be part of our life and, and our Savior and he comes to live in our heart, from that point on, we're never, ever alone, ever again. He says, I want to make my, 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 my dwelling place is going to be in your heart and life. And it should change the way we do everything. And, and, you know, I have people that say, you know, well, you know, I'm just going to pray a prayer and then I can go to heaven. I can live however I want. No, no, no. You don't understand it. That is not what Jesus is about at all. He's about wanting to come in and be a part of your life and make himself at home in your life. And Judas is the guy who brings this out. Because he realized, Jesus, what you're sharing with us is so great, the world has to know. And Jesus said, I'm going to change the world, but I'm going to change it by living in their hearts and lives, not by them coming to me. I'm going to change it from the inside out. And that should give us great encouragement and great hope as believers. I end with this. Judas, the gentle-souled disciple, reminds us that some followers, are more tender-hearted and quiet in their nature. And that's okay. They still make a significant impact on the kingdom of God. They just go about it a different way. And they remind all of us that God can use us when we allow him to live in our hearts. Judas, the gentle soul disciple. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, we sometimes get this idea that we all have to be a certain way. But the way that you chose these 12 guys, Lord, shows us that there's such a variety in your kingdom. There's such a variety in the people that you use and the strengths and weaknesses that they have. And that, Lord, none of them had their act together when you called them. Lord, they all were a work in progress. And through all of them, Lord, we have things to learn. Lord, for some this morning who are struggling because, Lord, they, they're just not comfortable in the way you have created them, would you help them to understand the, the, the importance of that as they go forward in their lives? 
Lord, for others who are allowing the world and others to define them, would you really help them to be able to stand up for who they are and how you made them? Lord, for those who are, tend to be a little more quiet, and Lord, sometimes they feel bad or they feel guilty or they feel like they should be different, Lord, would you help them to learn that, and each of us to learn, Lord, that uh, that's okay. And Lord, for all of us this morning who have put our faith and trust in you, Lord, Thank you for making your home in our hearts and help us to live that way this week so that people might be able to see Christ in us. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand together and we're going to sing. Uh, let's see.